This podcast is brought to you by Alliance Motor Auctions. Has your car shit itself? Then you've got to go with Alliance. It's the easiest way to buy a quality car at a very competitive price. Located in Moorbank, New South Wales. Call 02-9822-7200 or visit www.allianceauctions.com.au South Coast Window Furnishings. Have your window furnishings shit themselves? Then you've got to get in touch with SCWF. They service the south coast of New South Wales from Wollongong to Bermagui. Give Jamie a call for a free quote on 0408 812 007 or like them on Facebook at South Coast Window Furnishings. Elite Sports Physiotherapy. Has your back or another part of your body shit itself? Then look no further than ESP. Established in 2006, Elite Sports Physiotherapy provides physiotherapy and massage services to the people of Melbourne. Located on the mezzanine level, 13-15-1 Freshwater Place in Southbank, Melbourne. Give them a call on 03-8640-0328 or visit elitesportsphysio.com.au today. Also, special thanks to verse.com.au for putting the finishing touches on this podcast. Cheers. G'day, g'day. Thanks for listening to episode 20. My guest this week is music producer, DJ and drummer Platonic Lab, aka Lee Ryan. Lee has been in the Australian hip-hop scene for over 20 years. He was there when the scene began and today, with the scene flourishing, is reaping the rewards his skills deserve. This is Taking It Easy with Daniel Connell. Lee Ryan, a.k.a. Platonic Lab. Thanks for taking it easy with me today. Oh, thanks for uh, inviting me for a chat. No worries. Well, first of all, I invited you for a chat, but then you invited me into your uh, studio here, which is very impressive indeed. Uh, how long did it take you to put all this together? How many years um, is this? I don't know. This is a, a cumulative kind of uh, collecting of stuff, but also, I don't know, just like a re- refinement of selling and buying gear yeah, yeah. but you know it's pretty i think it's like pretty it's a meager setup i think compared to like some people have. really this is like my kind of like version of a home studio on steroids i guess yeah. you call it <laughs> it looks the part definitely and mm. like it's exactly how i'd imagine a studio would look even some stuff here I'd, i actually don't know what they are but i've seen them before but something like I'm pointing at is is that a uh, that's obviously a, a piano. Uh, this is a okay. this this is an electric piano, and this is a, a synth that I've had probably since I was about ten years old. Okay, it's one of like Roland's first synthesizers. Yeah, so if people at home could picture a, a man <laughs> touching a synth, that's what's happening right now. Now synth, this sort of they were big, and then they they've come back in the last. Yeah, while, I they? think like. Um, Definitely at a certain point in time, probably, well, it depends what genre of music you're in, I yeah, guess, because they've probably been popular all the way through in, for some people. Yeah. But um, definitely when, you know, like rock music was huge and grunge yes. and stuff happened in the 90s, but, you know, and the 80s had definitely disappeared. Yeah. Maybe the synthesizer wasn't so cool. How did you get a synthesizer when you were 10? What made you um, My dad was a keyboard player, so uh, he played jazz. Um, yeah. And... Uh, he just had, we had like a room 
uh, in the house I grew up in, which was just kind of like a music room. Mm -hmm. We just had a bunch of instruments and stuff in there. And this was given to him and he didn't like synthesize. He was like a Hammond kind of guy. Okay. And I just ended up inheriting it, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Great. Uh, when, when other kids were playing with their Ataris and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Making some sweet synth sounds. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, that was it leads me to my next question. What uh, Obviously, having a, um, a father that played musical instruments, a lot of my friends who played instruments when I was a kid also had parents that played. Was that how uh, your interest came to, to music? Yeah, or, definitely. Because we... Yeah, because we had instruments in the house, like, I guess, you know, when I got home from school and he was still at work and stuff, I'd just go in there and, because some of it was kind of out of bounds, but I just pull, <laughs> I just pull his stuff apart and, like, plug all these things yeah. in and, um, and make sure I packed it up exactly how I <laughs> so he, he probably knew, but... Yeah, you probably um, wouldn't have cared too much. You probably wouldn't have cared too much, but because he was, like, um, still uh, working sort of part-time as oh, a right. muser, it yeah. probably would be a bit... That was the, the sticking point, I guess, like getting to a gig and like having his like, you know, his uh, leads or whatever just yeah. bum out on him or something. Yeah. Well, whereabouts did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in East Preston. Okay. So, so North Victorian. Yeah. 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 And did you have many other friends like when you were that young, sort of 10 with synths that played instruments? Uh, yeah. Not really. Yeah. I didn't really know anyone that played music <laughs> like when I was a kid. Yeah. So I had one friend who dabbled for a bit uh, with a bass guitar, but no one really took it anywhere it is all instruments require concentration and consistency which yeah you don't really have in sports yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> which australian kids a lot don't really have no uh, and just kids in general i found it very hard to I, I did music at school and just found it hard to concentrate for long periods of time and people would teachers would say look this is going to take you 12 months to master and I'd be like, forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to the basketball court. <laughs> I think it's because like, uh, I mean, it probably was like a nightmare for my parents because out of all the things I could have chosen and the, the one instrument that we didn't actually even have in our house, which was drums. Oh, really? So that's, <laughs> where, that's what I just like, I think I was just drawn to music with, uh, yeah, good solid drums and it was yeah. like my interest. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think I, I they made me have lessons for a while Four before, drum drum before, lessons, yeah, yeah. Before that, I could get a drum kit. Ah, that's I a think good way that, to do it. Yeah, they were trying to work out. Sure. Yeah, instead of just getting it straight away, yeah. like it was kind of like let's just see how serious he is about yeah. doing it. So, yeah, it was just like a, those rubber practice pads. Yeah, yeah. for a, a few months, you know. And then you got the full kit. And I got a full how kit. How old were you when you got the full kit? Um, I think I was around. Uh, was still in primary school, so probably wow. around ten years old or something. Yeah, yeah. And did you do like uh, little shows at school with your like, in, like <laughs> No, I did. I I think like in in high school uh, we did a couple of couple of shows here and there. Yeah, yeah, not too many. I remember like when I was in primary school. This is going to really show my age, but like <laughs> I remember in primary school, kids would uh, put on uh, at like recess, put on like Kiss shows oh, so yeah, they yeah. dress up as kiss <laughs> and like wear guitars that weren't really guitars and like right. and just mime to kiss songs yeah, yeah. not saying i did that yeah. <laughs> but it was very very popular you're just sitting in the crowd with your face painted yeah, white and, like, a, <laughs> and a lightning bolt <laughs> just waiting to get your call up um i remember like at school especially in primary school we had a boy i was in year five and there was a boy in year six and he could play guitar and sing and he used to come in and do credence songs, uh, right. like on Fridays or whatever. He'd bring his guitar, and it was he was everybody was just like in awe. 
that yeah. someone could play an instrument. Yeah, and yeah. And he actually went on uh, Hey Hate Saturday on Red Faces and like got into the final and was wow. always on the best of okay. Red Faces and stuff. Wow. He was just a gun. I, I, I feel like he just thought he, he he just walked around like he was ten feet tall. Um, <laughs> I'm the shit. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Just like, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I was always impressed by anyone that could play an instrument under the age of twelve uh, and well. Um, was there certain bands uh, or artists you like really were drawn to at that early age? Like um, when you started playing the this drums. This is like a def- like way way before the internet, and so it's kind of like it would really just be stuff that you'd hear off the radio or older friends would have like uh, records I'd get into. But I this was like the early eighties, so yeah. it was probably like actually a lot of um, Australian bands were kind of like really pushed around that time. So Australian was, crawl. Uh, would have been stuff like uh, maybe In Excess oh, okay, and Midnight yeah. Oil and, yeah, and yeah. bands like that. So you like that stuff? Yeah, I think I, yeah. I was really into Midnight Oil actually because um, uh, Rob Hurst was kind oh. of a big feature in that band. So yeah. that was like kind of like, yeah, I was drawn to stuff like that, drawn to stuff like The Police. And yeah, yeah. Any, any band that had like a, a strong drummer personality yeah. in the band sort of thing. Rob Hurst is a big part of Midnight Oil. Still yeah. is, isn't he? He's, I, I saw them live. I must have been like oh eight or oh nine. They were they just did a couple of warm up shows in Canberra before a wave eight or a, I think it was like a tsunami relief show or something. Right, and they were they hadn't played for ages, mm. and he was he's just like the driving force. Yeah, and like singing and yeah, just, he does do all that stuff. And he's really crazy to watch as well. Yeah. I remember they did like yeah in the eighties. I remember they did these because they were a huge band, but they did this run of kind of like suburban pubs. Yeah. And I remember uh, sneaking into one of those shows oh, really? out in the burbs and watching them play yeah. in this like, you know, I don't know, it would have been like a, wow, just thinking like maybe like 700 people or something. Yeah, yeah. It was just pretty crazy. Do you remember how old you was? Were when uh, you probably like about 16 or something. Yeah, cool. Mm. Yeah, that, that's kind of the stories when you hear people that are professional musicians. They're the sort of stories you hear. They're sneaking into, yeah. when you go into the effort to. Oh, I had this one, actually one really cool thing happen uh, uh, in early high school, a teacher uh, newer band that was supporting uh, Goanna oh, yeah, at right. Latrobe University, <laughs> and um, she took us down to soundcheck, and um, I sort of asked if I could, like, you know, see the drum kit yeah. for the Goanna drum kit, and yeah. they, and I ended up doing the soundcheck for the drums, oh, which great. was amazing. Yeah, that is cool. <laughs> it was like as a little kid, just going, "Wow, yeah. this, is, this is so cool." Uh, do you remember what your first album was when you were? Uh, 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 or, or might have even been a record or or a cassette. Um, yeah, no, I just think like probably was, um, probably like 10 to one, the midnight. Oh record. yeah. Probably something like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it would have been around that time. That's but we, I remember me and my older sister, she would like have good records. Like she would buy stuff like new order and things like that. Yeah. Like sort of new wave yeah, sort yeah. of 80s stuff. And, um, I think we probably would start, we started out buying those kind of like uh, compilation albums yeah. from back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. That was probably the f- the first records I probably got yeah. into. Mine was um, Pennywise, Full Circle. Went right. through a bit of a punk stage in my early teens. Still still holds up to today, that album though. Just bangers right through. Uh, did you study music once, music once you got older? Like did you... Um, did you the drum lessons didn't. Uh, I didn't. I only did it for maybe four years. Yeah. And then I sort of like I don't know. Being a, being a kid, I just sort of didn't have the. I just wanted to rock out basically. Yeah. Just yeah. smash drums and <laughs> not. Uh, yeah. So I didn't study music until later on. I went back to uni 
um, went back to uni, but I went to uni yeah. <laughs> later on in life. I went to RMIT and did media arts for four years oh, yeah. and yeah. got a sort of honours degree in that. I, so, I sort of thought I would sort of get into doing like sound design for film or yeah. film soundtrack or something. Yeah. But even at that point, I was already kind of making records for people. So Right. I so, just, yeah. So when did you, so you were doing the drums sort of through high school. When did other, um, like, you know, did you, did you start making samples? And, and Oh, yeah. Um, like, what happened was like, because all my high school sort of band stuff was kind of like just, I would just somehow find other kids who played music, but none of them yeah. ever got off. It was always just like you'd just get together and rehearse for a gig that never happened yeah, most of the yeah. time. And um, I in later, uh, I think it was around 17 or 18, 17, I uh, met a temp teacher yeah. in high school and he had uh, a crazy home studio. And this is back in the day when um, – they were quite, it's quite expensive all that equipment mm. you'd have to like it was like reel to reel tape machines and stuff and yeah. you know analog recording desks right. and things and yeah. he had a band and that they needed a drummer to sort of like do some recordings yeah. and I was a pretty good drummer at that point yeah. and um so I ended up sort of like yeah doing a bunch of recording for his band and I remember he would like uh do these little sort of jaunts overseas and I'd just sort of get to mind his house for a couple of weeks yeah. at a time. So I'd have this like studio that in his house. So I kind of learnt um, – because I didn't know anything about like really what studio recording or anything was. Yeah. So that was kind of like my first introduction into – well, I didn't even know what a producer was really. Right. But I, you could, I figured out you could kind of like just put a whole song together on your own yeah. by using the tape machine and overdubbing things and yeah. stuff. Yeah, like say recording – each instrument, yeah, each instrument at the time, and yeah. um, using synths and drum yeah. machines and stuff. And so, so. A, a good sort of famous example of that would be like Dave Grohl, first Foo Fighters album. Right, right. He did everything. Yeah, yeah. Himself. Just a DIY kind of. Yeah, um, yeah. It sort of sounds like a band, but it's really yeah. just one guy playing it sort all, of playing yeah. everything. Yeah, great. So that um, was kind of like yeah, it was like an education, but yeah. by just a weird way of doing. Let's like real hands-on sort of. Yeah. yeah. So. When, when did sort of like hip hop uh, become an interest to you? If you were into the sort of you know, those Aussie bands, you know, the, the hip hop in Australia is pretty new. When did it sort of yeah, like um, something interesting? I guess like you? I was into uh, rap. I was into everything. Like I didn't have one genre of music that I was totally into. Yeah. Like I guess um, in the late eighties, like I'd listen to stuff like you know Ice T and. Beastie Boys, but I'd also simultaneously be listening to like real artsy kind of stuff like Brian Eno. <laughs> so I was like, I had a really diverse taste in music. Yeah. And um, I was playing in uh, sort of like a, it was like, I guess you'd call it funk, mm. um, sort of like playing sort of in this funk band. And the bass player from that band uh, had met a guy who had just moved. This is like early 90s. Yeah. Had um, met a guy who had moved from LA to Melbourne. Yeah. And married a girl out here, and he was like a he was a rapper, I guess. And um, he's just like I think like what happened was like you know I get to, got to know him, and he ended up being in a band. Um, so it was like a live, I guess like what the it was didn't sound anything like the Roots, but it right, was kind of yeah. like I guess a live band with a rapper. Yeah, yeah. And this is like around ninety four, I'd say. Yeah. Yep. And that eventually turned into me getting hold of a sampler and actually starting to make beats yeah yeah. so cool. the interest sort of started like it's basically like 
without having the internet and all that kind of stuff, just mm. having someone that was from LA and being kind of like kind of entrenched in yeah. that sort of music and, and those, that sort of thing to, yeah. to have them around and sort of almost have, you know, get schooled on stuff in mm. that way. And he would have friends that would send records over from America to Australia, like because back in the day, like record stores would have these imports and stuff, and only certain record stores would stock, like you know, underground rap. Say okay. you wouldn't be able to get that stuff unless yeah. it was like real, like real commercial uh, rap music or whatever. Yeah. So, so that that must have been. Did you know of many other people uh, th- that were doing that type of music around? Uh, not many. Like time? I knew a few, uh, knew a few DJs, and I I knew a few, a couple of um, Australian MCs. Yep. But it was just very like to me. It sent, it seemed very kind of like it was very small, mm. and it wasn't like a sort of uh, unified thing at all. It was just pockets of people doing stuff. Yeah, and um, yeah, I just we just started actually getting like really good. Um, We'd get these really good shows. Like we supported like Tricky when he came out, right. and um, DJ Shadow for anyone who remembers any right. of this stuff. <laughs> it's like mid kind of nineties. Yeah. But I guess because we were like we had an American MC, and we were sort of making this music that whenever someone would come and they needed a support act, mm. they you know you we would be the guys to do it. So that's really cool. So so back then everything was on, everything you were recording was on the the tape. So you. Um, we, we ended up just having to go to studios really. Like I had like a really, like my home studio at the time consisted of a sampler, a couple of crappy mics and a, um, I think I had an Atari, uh, that would just be like a, a MIDI sequencer for anyone who knows what this mini just records like the, the notes. So it's not like a, an audio recorder. You could only rec- like sequence things, yeah. I guess. Like so, to re- put vocals down and stuff, we'd have to go to a studio and yes, right, pay money and lay it down properly. Yeah, and we yeah. ended up like saving our money from shows and putting out a CD and stuff. In '95 yeah. was all oh, right. So it was a CD, not a cassette. <laughs> we had a cassette and a CD. Yeah, I think right. we did like yeah, a run of cassettes and a run of CDs of yeah. this thing, and yeah, it was good. And to get that out back then, did you just have to literally? We would just we just post did, it to people, or um, hand it, yeah, hand we it just, out for free. We would just. I think like I've had these moments in my career where constantly self sabotaging stuff. So we had <laughs> we had an offer from Mushroom to distribute it, and then yeah. because we with such dickheads basically we just thought no we can just do this ourselves <laughs> just like there's so many things like that that happened and um so uh yeah we just ended up just um distributing it in yeah. like central station i think at the time and shops oh, yeah. like that so yeah, yeah it's just like shops that would take uh, consignment yeah. um, rap music from australia <laughs> <laughs> and then from there did you find you met uh, are there other young people or just people that maybe had heard of you that were into that sort of music? Yeah, yeah. The- that was from doing those shows. We definitely met a lot of other people. Um, uh, yeah, so it was more, more – th- it was really through doing shows because, like, as I said, there's no internet and you can't really just find people like that. Mm. It'd, it'd only be when you would travel to, say, Sydney or Adelaide or something. You'd. Uh, I remember doing, a um, like, a small rap festival in Adelaide in 96. Yeah. And um, met a bunch of people there. That's actually I saw the Hoods live for the first time. Right. Okay. So they were around. Yeah. Really. They were super young. That's Hilltop Hoods. Yeah. yeah. It's one of their first shows, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So 
in in Australia at that point, like say mid nineties, uh, I was what's that? Like I was like thirteen or fourteen. I can't remember. Was there many like say on Rage or um, the radio? Was there was there much Australian hip hop around then? Um, like being played consistently? Not really. We and we did we did a spot on uh, Recovery. Yeah, and I think a couple of other people would have done sort of TV spots like that. Mm. Um, there were. A, Definitely like shows on PBS and Triple R. Okay, yeah. They were playing like local rap. Um, yeah, there was just, yeah, it was very kind of like, I mean, I guess the thing I remember about it isn't like no one thought it was like a really, it was a career so much. Yeah. Like yeah. people were just kind of doing it because that's the sort of music that they wanted to do. do and, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was kind of, I guess that's the, that was like the healthy mm. side of it because, you know, the people that were doing it really wanted to do it. Yeah. Yeah. But you, you sort of taught yourself to, you know, do sampling and produce at that point. Yeah. Did could you see a career in it in the next sort of um, I th- moving forward? I probably 20 had years? like I probably had yeah. I mean, because I'd been in um, a bunch of bands before mm. doing that, I sort of thought in my mind that you know it was only a matter of time maybe before like things caught up and we could yeah it would sort of start happening because we yeah. were you know. We were getting stuff, it seemed like stuff from the US and even the UK were kind of like a way more advanced than Australia yeah. at the time. And I just thought, you know, it's just, a, why can't we just have what they have over there? Yeah. Here? It's like, yeah. it's just, we just need people to kind of catch up yeah. with their taste or, yeah. you know, the scene to get a bit bigger or something. Yeah. Because there, there would have been plenty of kids in Australia that were into hip hop. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think it was that, I just think it was like a, just a little bit, um, yeah, ununified or, that sort of thing. It was just mm. very kind of like spread out and yeah. Was it was there a feeling amongst like the music industry? Did you feel like you're you're being pushed oh, yeah. out or anything like oh, that? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It was just like you know, we would try and get shows. Like I guess you just go to a pub or something to try and get a gig, and they would just give you the shittiest night of the week. Yeah. It's like you can have hip hop on a Tuesday, yeah. whatever it was, you know. Yeah, and we would have DJs and stuff yeah. play and. Um, so you had to be like, because that would have been all through the grunge. That was yeah. I mean, there. exactly. Yeah. So like, if it wasn't and... like live music for you know Australians, like, and we, I think Australia's always held live music as that's the mm. you know the benchmark. Basically, if you can perform live and they can see yeah. people like sweating on a guitar or something, <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. that's the thing. But I think like rap was not really about that. It was like a more of a sonic thing and it yeah. was about textures and the performance was something else. In in the live shows you did through those sort of early nineties, could you see that crowds were really into it? Like could you see that if you could, you know, in the future get bigger crowds that this would just catch fire? I think that I think like a lot of the time I remember people just being shocked <laughs> that they could actually like see like rap music and it, it didn't completely suck. Yeah, right. You know? Yeah. As, yeah, I think a lot of the time people were just People that were probably into rap and saw live rap in Australia were just absolutely chuffed to yeah. see it. Probably, yeah. I, I, um, so you 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 were playing on start when you were playing live. Were you playing with a live drum set? Yeah. yeah. So, um, the way I've, I kind of I still do it now. Like the yeah. way I've always done it is I'd make I'd make the music and um take uh once you know I'd made all the music take kind of like most of the drums out. And then play that back live, and then right. drum over the top of it, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. And then usually they'd have like you know one or two instruments on top of that as well. So yeah. 
but there'd always be some kind of like, I guess if it was a sample or a loop or something that would be playing mm. and then just have other instruments and drums on top yeah. of it. I remember doing a bunch of shows where it was just kind of like samples and loops and a live drum kit and a rapper. Yeah. So that would be the way. Yeah. That's it. I, I find watching it with a live drummer is just so much better. It just Yeah. It's, it's, the sound is like gives it more. I guess gives like a recording more dynamics live, and also yeah. visually, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. So it's not so much like you know someone uh, with a laptop and a controller, or mm. it's just a little bit more visually. Yeah, which I think like I don't know if I'd really thought it through that it was doing that, but I definitely you could see that the reaction in people was a lot better when you had something like that, mm. like some kind of live instrument. Yeah. You're listening to Taking It Easy with Daniel Connell. Hey, before we go back to the podcast, I want to tell you about someone. That someone is Melbourne-based photographer Nicole Reed. One of the most sought-after photographers going around, Nicole has taken photos for all sorts of people. Comedians like Peter Hellier and Anne Edmonds, musical acts like the Hilltop Hoods, and sports stars like Buddy Franklin. If you want to see how great her work is, I suggest you head over to her Instagram page. It's Nicole Reed Photographer. While you're at it, you may as well jump on her website, which is www.nicolereed.photography. Get in contact and book in a shoot today. Now let's get back to the podcast. So, so this now we're getting into like the late nineties, early thousands, and you're producing and you know collaborating with a lot of people. Is collaboration sort of the key to? get more work and to get your name out there is that sort of you just, i think definitely yeah. yeah i think you've was that because the in the scene here it's so new so if you joined up with another person you're, you're twice as powerful right was that sort of a, or a, a collective of people usually yeah, yeah so that's how i mean the label that i grouped up with um before obese was kind of like that it was just like a collective of people and we would just like put records out and yeah. Just like pretty much totally independent. Right. And distribute our own records and stuff and produce them and yeah. all the artwork and everything was yeah. just all in house. And then um, that led to, I started, I basically started making beats for a guy named Pegs who owned Obese at the time. Yeah. And I uh, then started touring with him. So it was like that same deal, like the beats that I was making without the drums, play the drums live and he would rap. Yeah. And we'd have a DJ as well. Um, and then just, I don't know, just at this time was like, uh, you should, you know, sign with us because you're doing yeah. all, you're basically yeah. doing all this stuff. You're like mastering our records yeah. and you're making beats for all these people and yeah. you should sign you kind of thing. Yeah. And it, could you, that was, so that's early 2000s. That's when I sort of started to notice Australian hip hop right. around that time sort of coming through. And it sort of not long after that, you collaborated with uh, Muffin. Yeah. So, and then... Who was it? So he was just a solo. Uh, yeah, he was a he was a solo. He was like in a, a he had like a small crew, but he was pretty much a solo artist. And um, I think I did a remix for him on on a uh, on a record that he really liked. And then he asked me to make a bunch of stuff for his solo record. Yeah. So I ended up doing probably about half of that record, and then had this idea. It was like I think he just wanted the whole shebang, so he wanted me to produce the stuff and play yeah. live with him as yeah. well. I was like, well, why don't we just do it as a group then? Yeah. You know, because I'm pretty much like <laughs> that's a lot of that's a lot of stuff. Yeah. And um, so yeah, we made a record together and 
pretty much like it just sort of like took off straight away yeah. for us. So that was Muff and Platonic. Yeah. I, I remember that. I remember that at school and I remember that after I finished high school, uh, hearing that heaps good yep. on, on like Triple J. So yeah, it was like, it was the f- uh, we sort of did that song as a piss take because he was quite an um, introspective kind of uh, rapper, I guess. Right, He'd just yeah. do a lot of sort of, all this had, had this kind of like heart on his sleeve kind of approach. Yeah. And we thought, how, let's do a song where you just like this really braggadocious kind yeah. of like, uh, <laughs> yeah. kind of I'm the shit sort yeah. of yeah. character. And sort of, and then, yeah, it was like our first single that we did together. And the Jays really got behind it as well. Yeah, so we ended yeah. up getting like a feature album. And, you know, we were doing shows out, you know, for Triple J on the desert with Powderfinger and oh. all this kind of crazy awesome. stuff happened. But I guess the good thing about that group is that we were doing these things like, so getting a lot of radio play and, acceptance on as far as like mainstream or mm. i guess you could call it mainstream uh music in australia but also kind of like people that were into rap on an underground level as well also accepted us as well so yeah. we r- rode this kind of really great kind of like middle ground somehow yeah that that uh he, the film clip for heaps good is great um, yeah yeah it's like the post-it uh, note yeah, thing yeah. Uh, it's really crazy because if you find that on youtube it's like back in the days when youtube was like you know th- you know 240p or something yeah. so it's like it's really grainy and horrible yeah. but the actual original video is yeah. quite good you still enjoy it though the the post-it note where you've got them all over yourself is that just a shirt with post-it notes on it, it was like it? a kind of like a suit yeah, yeah a suit with just post-it notes all over <laughs> yeah. it yeah um, so yeah, you're saying you got played on Triple J there, like album of the week. We, did that song? That song was in the hottest 100 as well. Uh, we had a couple of songs in the hottest 100. I don't know if, if I don't think it was that one, yeah. but like a couple of albums later. Yeah. You know, so you that. did three albums. As yeah, we did. We did three albums, um, and all of them were feature records. And yeah. we just ended up getting a, an aria nom for the last one we did. Yeah. Which was good. Yeah, just like, I mean, just had a lot of success with, that was probably like, as far as all the groups that I've been in, like, yeah. that's probably the most successful one as far as it just took off straight away and kind of like maintain this kind of like, you know, we had like quite a good bit of success yeah. with it. How how key do you think Triple J is in, in the growth of the hip hop industry in Australia? Well, back then it was kind of like you, it was really hard for you to tour anywhere out of Melbourne without kind of like national radio play. Yeah. So it would be hard for people to have even heard of you without that. Yeah. So I'm um, probably not so much now. I don't know if it's it's still the same. I know that people mm. kind of can exist without any national radio play mm. at all. It's just sort of more the internet and you can get a following that way. So Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But uh, back then it was pretty yeah, it was pretty much integral to yeah. people finding out about you. Yeah, and it's not it's not even that long ago really. No, it's not. This is like <laughs> we're probably talking about 2004 yeah so it's before facebook and mm. all that kind of stuff yeah um you mentioned the arias there that you got an aria norm did you go to the arias that you- yes um <laughs> that was i think it was like I've, I've played at the arias a couple of times oh, really? since then and attended a few times yeah i think like for memory that was when the arias were good <laughs> like, as far as like I remember there being like you felt like you were at like a it seemed like an awards yeah. thing like you were at a, you know had table service and yeah. all this kind of stuff going on now it's just kind of like a row of plastic chairs yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not really the same yeah. but, Did, um, they, they mustn't have been a, a hip hop award at the Arrows much longer before I think they had a it was either would have been a dance music award or an urban music yeah, award yeah. 
yeah, yeah. that Keith Urban never won, <laughs> which is pretty sad. <laughs> do you uh, do you remember who the other nominees were? The EU. Uh, I think it would have been um, shit. I can't remember. <laughs> Maybe like Bliss and SL or something yeah, like right. that. Yeah, yeah. I can't even remember who won. Do you remember who, where you sat? Did you sit near any? We're like, right up the back, mate. <laughs> right up the back. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, after the the Muffin Platonic, uh, you sort of had a great run with those three albums and a lot of airplay. Did you then have like an influx of other artists wanting to work with you? And- yeah, just I was doing stuff all the way through, pretty yeah. much. Like, yeah, I'd sort of like do a couple of albums and bits and pieces and EPs and singles. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, it's pretty, pretty. Uh, you know, heavy, not heavy, but like, yeah, pretty consistent mm. um, work all through that. And I always sort of tried to keep keep like that going as well. So like, I think it must have been sort of some leftover kind of idea from being in bands that never got anywhere. So like, I need to keep like a few fingers in pies kind of thing. Yeah, I can't invest, yeah. I can't invest everything just into this because, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, I'm relying yeah. on other people True, to yeah. for it to keep going. You don't know when it's all going to end. What's the process? This is what I'm pretty curious by. What's the process? Say someone comes to you uh, saying, say it's a, a rapper, says I want you to, you know, make some beats or music for me for a album. Do you sort of, do they send you lyrics that they've recorded and you put music to it or is it you send them the, the music um, and they put Usually the like these days it's more um, I prefer just being in the same room. Yeah. It can't always be like that. I'm actually doing a record at the moment with guys from Toronto, so it's more mm. um, sending files and yeah. sending stuff backwards and forwards. But usually it would be the music would come first or even just an idea for a track. It might yeah. not even be a, you know that fleshed out. But, yeah, just usually you'd run through a bunch of ideas. Um, and also, like, I think, I don't know if you'd call it more discerning, but I feel like... Yeah, I just because I know the amount of time and energy you need to put into something to make it work. I'm pretty like fussy, I guess, about who I'm investing in and yeah. who I want to work with. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sort of more yeah, just finding people that I like what they do already to work with, and mm. that are probably um, not time wasters and can uh, already have you can tell that they have something yeah. kind of that they've got going on their own yeah I probably should ask you this question before that one there has there, has there been times when you've sent your music to an artist and they've sent their lyrics over the top of it and you've just thought what the <laughs> fuck is this <laughs> this is yeah this is terrible. Um, <laughs> you can get I mean yeah especially if you have an idea of what a piece of music can could be or but yeah. the potential in it. Oh, you sent it off thinking that is, and it's I'm like it's it's that. hit way under what you thought it could be. Yeah. Or, I think there have been a few times like that, but you got to <laughs> you got to be like really diplomatic. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like usually, I mean, hopefully you're working with, as I say, artists that you kind of already like what they do, so nothing's yeah. going to be too much of a shock. Yeah, or you know, too, yeah. with, not it's not going to be with you know out of bounds of what they're. Yeah kind of already can produce sort of thing. Like you said, like for example, you send me a bunch of facts and I just <laughs> yeah. talk over the top and send it I back. think it could be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't had like a decent uh, comedy rap record yeah. since the 80s probably. <laughs> it could be an opportunity, yeah. yeah. Um, we, uh, we talked about the sort of the Australian, the sort of the hip-hop community earlier starting out, like now – Obviously, through all those early 2000s and through the 90s when it was all sort of getting going, 
is it all still pretty tight? Is it all still pretty tight-knit as a result of that because it's all pretty new still? And I think there's just like a heaps more opportunities mm. um, and there seems to be way more pockets of different kinds of rap happening. Yeah, so it's yeah. super healthy in terms of – I remember like especially in the late 90s, like if you didn't make a certain kind of – Hip hop because there's like with anything with rock music or yeah, whatever yeah. it is there are genres within genres and subgenres and stuff, mm. and I remember there was definitely like a rap police kind of like attitude towards stuff yeah. like you know certain styles would be shunned and yeah. um, others let through but now it's like it's great because like I always hated that and um you have yeah you have kids just making all kinds of stuff and they mm. they just don't give they just don't care you know yeah. it's like they just do whatever they feel and there and it seems to be there's because it's like I guess now one of the most popular forms of music in mm. the in the world like there is an audience for all those different subgenres of rap as mm. well like you can kind of be a mumble rapper from australia or yeah you can make boom be bap, or you can do lo-fi rap, rap or yeah you'd be <laughs> 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 yeah. mumble rap where you can occasionally hear some comedy yeah. <laughs> uh yeah well, do you think there's so many different variations now because you can do it all yourself I th- I think so they're, like they're um a bit more freer. I just think like there's so much it's got to be partly due to the internet mm, because yeah. there's so many examples especially in Australia like I remember coming up and there were no real examples of anyone who'd properly kind of made it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you didn't have any kind of benchmark to aim yeah. to it was just kind of like just making it up as you go. Now kids I think they they've already seen people, you know, make make it big in mm. Australia and do all these things and they know you can do festivals now mm. with rap music they know they can tour the country or overseas yeah. or they can put out records and they can do all these things yeah. they know it's there so i think their yeah their attitude is just like they just want it you know yeah. they just want to do it they want to do it now yeah. they don't, <laughs> yeah. don't want to wait they don't want to wait a couple of years either yeah. they just want to do it straight away yeah um yeah and i think i think another thing is the more obviously the the bigger it gets the more people are going to watch it live and I just think once you watch it live, you realize, it, like, it's great to listen to in the car on radio, but live it is so good. Like, I remember seeing the first I ever saw was Hilltop Hoods in, at the station resort in Jindabyne in 04. And I think it was, they were pretty, they just sort of were taking off. At yeah, this point. yeah. That was, that was definitely the year mm. it all sort of came and, together, I think. Yeah. And live, it was like, I was like, I'd seen bands, heaps of bands, but I'd never. I don't. I'm not a dancer, and I, I right. but it makes you move. Like right. it makes you want to. Yeah, involved. I like think it, there's I something th- about it that just. Yes, yeah, so I think w- w- once thousands and thousands of people start watching that in big, bigger stadiums, and they realise, you know, this is this is probably the best thing to watch live uh, that we've got. You know, like, yeah, right, right, yeah. So speaking of Hilltop Hoods, you um, you've been there, the drummer. You've been in the Hilltop Hoods as the the drummer for uh, how long now? Uh, it's about seven years. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So quite a while. And that was through you just you you just met those guys. And- uh, we used to be on the same label together, ah, okay, so we yeah. we toured together a whole bunch of times. So yeah. um, so even, when you were Muffin- even before Muffin Platonic, okay, we yeah, cool. sort of like toured together, and um, so yeah, we knew each other pretty well. Um, what happened was I kind of like with the muffin plutonic thing, it actually became like a little bit unfun for us yeah, to do yeah. that because it had got to the point in that relationship. But 
it's sort of one of those strange things when things kind of like seemingly are kind of like working and you've invested so much in it, it's actually kind of hard to walk away from something right, that's yeah. working. Yeah, yeah. But internally it wasn't really working right, very yeah, well. Yeah. And uh, we did a show at the uh, Thebiton yeah. Theatre in uh, Adelaide. Yep. Yeah. And the hoods came down just to kind of like hang out and mm. watch. And they were looking, I didn't know, but they were looking for a drummer at the time mm. to tour with. And I'd sort of gotten off stage and they sort of, you know, it was basically one of those convos where like, you know, we don't want to get in the way of what you, anything you got going on. But if you're into it, like we'd really like you to drum for us. Yeah. It's like, yep, let's yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I take your time to think about it. It's like, yeah, I just thought about yeah. it. Just then. <laughs> Two seconds. Yeah. So that was seven years ago. So they've kind of easily the biggest. Uh, yeah, Australia's I'd say so. Produced. Like that was. Yeah, it's been an interesting. Well, for me, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, sort of watching something, being part of something, but also watching it as an outsider almost yeah. as well. Um, so it's been interesting watching even the last seven years trajectory happen. Mm. Like the first, I think we the first shows we did like that I drummed for them, we went and did a small run in Canada. Yeah. And as soon as we got back from that, the first Australian shows we did, like, supports for Eminem, which was at Etihad <laughs> Stadium. <laughs> so it's kind of like, there you go. You yeah, just, like, yeah. throw you straight into kind of, like, doing stadium show. Had you played in front of – obviously, probably I'd not never played that. in front of that many yeah. people before. But you, I played, I've done a lot of festivals and stuff before yeah. then, but it wasn't – yeah, that was pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, drums – um, this might be a silly question, but do you play drums – any differently when you're in 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 a stadium like that? Like, say for example, oh, it's probably a poor example, but like with a comedy in bigger rooms, you need yeah. to slow things down or or mm. just yeah time things better. Like, is it? I think like because I'm playing to kind of like um, playing over music, I've got to be mm. pretty tight with it. Yeah, but also yeah. I find like the bigger the show, um, the more like separated from the audience you are. It's kind of right. like there's more pressure in a way because there's a lot of people and yeah. there's cameras on everything and you're up on these huge screens and stuff. Yeah. They have GoPros mounted on the drum kit and stuff. So yeah. on some level, it's kind of like the stakes are higher, but there's not that kind of like immediate immediacy with the yeah. audience. Yeah. Like I've done, like I remember like one of my funny, funniest moments doing a show was kind of like uh, in some coastal town in Canada and this guy in the in the front row just kind of like, you know, people are right there and your face yeah. is like, you're a fucking beauty and you're a fucking beauty. <laughs> it's like, and you can just hear them, you know, like, <laughs> they're just right there. But like in a, I guess at Adahad Stadium, it just sounds like white noise, you know. Yeah. Did you meet Eminem at that show? No. He just, he kind of like just, I met his manager. Yeah. Yeah. Did he just, just come in last minute, go on and He leave? just like, he kind of like just ran off stage and into a car. Yeah, right. I, I remember. Yeah. I remember, yeah. Didn't know. Oh, well, he's lost. Yeah. <laughs> Could have come and uh, had some production done, but anyway. So you've toured all over the world now with uh well you toured a lot anyway with your yeah. own stuff. Well yeah, I didn't I didn't really well, I did some solo shows overseas, um, but didn't hadn't really done any like um full on proper tours until mm. I started drumming with the hoods. Yeah. I'd done some like uh recording and stuff. Uh, in the States, but yeah, nothing like what they were doing. So like yeah. now we've done like Europe and the States and stuff multiple times, yeah. which is kind of cool. Yeah. How is Australian hip hop received over there? It seems like- um, Is there a surprise from people saying, oh, Australian hip hop is there? No, I don't know if there's that any, well, 
Or is that gone now? I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's like that anymore. But the crowds are into it when you're there. Yeah, yeah. The crowds are great. Like, like especially like in Europe, I think the hoods have really cracked it. And yeah, the American shows are really. I mean, yeah, people are probably a little bit more into it than it's kind of like I guess like overseas crowds have a way of reacting to live music where Australians sometimes can be kind of reserved. I find. But um, yeah, takes a bit to get them going. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely see like um, younger rap artists from Australia doing good things overseas. Yeah, yeah. So I think it probably is a little bit more accepted. Plus, I think Americans have finally accepted us a little bit yeah. more as well. So that's kind of good. When you when you're uh, drumming live behind for you know for a, a hip hop act, are they doing much off the cuff? It's more kind of like some of the banter, I guess, but yeah, the set's yeah. kind of like the set. So, for example, like I watched uh, uh, the you guys with the Hilltop Hoods. There's a great bit of footage on YouTube you can watch. Uh, I think it's at uh, the Triple J where they go to the small town and, and they, did, oh, yeah, they yeah. did the Cosby Sweater song and okay. like just a bunch of Australian hip hop. Like a sort of one-night stand one night thing stand, or something yeah. like that. And it's like six or seven different – Artists got up. I think that was Beat the Drum. That was like right. a, um, the Triple J's birthday yes. party. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it, the song goes for like 12 minutes. But yeah, we had like about eight guest yeah, rappers yeah, yeah. on that song. Yeah. yeah, so you're drumming that whole time. Are you, yeah, you just – obviously you probably had rehearsed it. Had you or, or did you just know that you just had to keep going? And- um, no, we didn't rehearse that, but like I, I knew like how many verses were going to be on the song. Ah, okay. So it's more just kind of like – Counting, yeah, yeah. Counting away. And yeah. So have you got have you got the um like a, a plug in your ear? Uh yeah, I wear in ears and also monitors as well. But like yeah. I don't I don't play to a click track. It's just kinda like just I guess the way we set it up seven years ago is like they were just doing it a certain way. Mm. And so I just like I just made myself sort of fit in with what they were already okay, doing. Yeah, yeah. Because I think previous if I was doing it myself, like especially with the Muffin Platonic or any other groups I'd been in, I'd I'd put a click track in there. Right. So it meant I could have like nice kind of like for the quiet moments of the piece of music, I could still kind of like really know when something was going to slam back in properly. But this way it's kind of like a little bit more like, yeah, it's a bit more seat of the pants, (laughs) but you've got to be way more onto it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. No clocking Um, off. Yeah. But I think that also makes it better for the viewer and the listener as well. Right. And they can see you really sweating. (laughs) (laughs) I love watching him panic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So now it's like yeah, 2018, as you're probably well aware. Um, <laughs> uh, you've been in the in the scene and in this industry for over 20 years. Has it uh, sort of surprised you at how big it is now, or did you think starting out that it'd always get to this stage? I had no idea. Yeah, but yeah, probably didn't even think I was going to be here. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I don't think anyone can really. Who would have thought, you know? Mm. And it's kind of just, even though it's quite big now, you know, hip-hop in Australia, it's kind of still just touching the sides. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean, because, like, there is so much – well, it's great because there's so much diversity in music, but I think the thing that you notice more now is that even pop artists and rap artists collaborate together. There seems to be – all those kind of, like, lines aren't really there. Yeah. I mean, for a lot of – I mean, some artists are pretty staunch about Mm. the kind of rap that they make and – they do that, but generally, yeah, it's pretty, it's a pretty mixed bag. Yeah, it's good for you because it's just going to be more work if people want to collaborate. Yeah, so I mean, even like house. even this year, I've sort of like produced 
some stuff on some pop records and I've worked with all, all kinds of diverse artists, yeah. um, especially through publishing. So do a lot of like writing mm. uh, with artists I probably wouldn't sort of like normally or even back in the day have gotten in a room with and collaborated on something because yeah. it would have been pretty separated, I guess, genre-wise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What about, do, do you think like the Aussie hip-hop industry now has sort of gets the respect it deserves from the the music like the wider music community and the i think so awards? i yeah. think i think because like probably even like um bookers and um people that run things have probably grown up with it a little bit more so it's a more yeah. of a legitimized yeah sort of genre of so music. pubs will let hip-hop come in on a saturday oh now. like like <laughs> it's that thing again of like they've seen examples of people probably make a lot of money yeah so why wouldn't they yeah. do it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's yeah. not kind of like this is going nowhere. This is a fad. Like yeah. the way people thought of it in the nineties. Like mm. you know, go away. You're not Nirvana. <laughs> so yeah, it's like they know how successful you can. You know, people have won multiple awards yeah. doing this stuff and gotten all kinds of yeah. things popping off. So, uh, and and your room now you've got here this awesome studio you've got set up. Does this sort of uh, match what your that that sub teacher had when you were a kid that you used yeah I to, guess um, is that is it that level is it or is it better uh, this this is like a I mean everything here kind of like there's no fat I guess everything's kind of like all the instruments in here like I got a drum kit and a piano and all these things but they're all mic'd up and they all have a dedicated kind of way into the computer yeah so if ever I, if I need to record anything it's sort of ready to go. And I, I guess that's kind of great for songwriting or yeah. making music if I do it. Like I can probably just do something in a day and not have to kind of yeah. like spend time setting anything up. It's just <laughs> already set up. So that's what I like about this space. Yeah, and great. also people that I've um, recorded with like it here because it's sort of – it's in my house. So it's pretty <laughs> relaxed, I guess. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's like a very relaxed atmosphere. Like even recently I've been working with an artist and – I was suggesting that maybe we go to a studio to do the vocals, and she was like, "Nah, just do it here. <laughs> yeah, it's, exactly. it's pretty comfortable. Yeah. Hang out with your cat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, nice one. Uh, well, that's good to know because when I write all my comedy rap songs, I know I can come here. Right, we can <laughs> lay down some beats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, what's next for you? You just keep doing what you're doing and and uh, producing and drumming for. Yeah, we've got like, um, I've got to um, go to Europe in August. So we've yeah. got that tour coming up. We do Splendor in the Grass on the 21st. Uh, me and my partner, Nicole, who's a photographer, have a. Um, you can actually listen to Nicole on episode one of Taking It Easy. If anybody <laughs> has subscribed, yeah, go back um, and listen to this. We have a, a, I guess I can let the cat out of the bag. Um, <laughs> we have a gallery show in Sydney. Oh, in great. A, in a few weeks. Awesome. Uh, that a, a gallery up there is curating. It's based awesome. on our kind of uh, Hong Kong stuff, like a book record that we put out a couple of years ago. Yeah. Field Notes. Field Notes, yep. Um, you still purchase that too, can't you, on the Yeah, yeah. I've still got some copies of the first one and some uh, definitely copies of the second one. Yeah. So that was where you, uh, Nicole, who's a photographer, took photos uh, yeah, of so the scene and you uh, took samples of the uh, noises and... Sounds of Hong Kong, yeah, and then made tracks. Yeah, so it's yep. kind of like just using uh, field recordings. Uh, we've done a we've done two books now. One was on Japan, and one was on Hong Kong. Yeah, and just a similar concept of just um, so Nicole will just go around taking photos and uh, curate those into 
into like something that would fit into a book, hardcover book, and then uh, yeah, just making sounds and making it some music and yep. putting a record in the back of the book. So it's mm. kind of like I guess got the idea from like when you're a little kid, the read along storybook thing. But yeah, I guess yeah. it's sort of like something a bit more. It's for adults. <laughs> <laughs> and if people want to get in contact with you, say we've got some aspiring artists out there that want to pay big money and get some sweet music off yourself, how would they get in contact with you? Uh, you can hit up uh, sam at grindon.net, yeah. who's uh, my management, or you can just go to my website, which is plutoniclab.com, and there's a contact Yep. form on there so that that will go to either me or sam yeah great and have, is all your your muffin platonic stuff on on where you can, can you buy that on uh i think there's like i think there is like a you know the, the funny thing about um uh digital the way people listen to music now is like a lot of stuff i've done you probably wouldn't even know because like the the writers and producers I mean, on Spotify, for instance, yeah, it just has the artist and then the album, and that's pretty much the information. Yeah, so there's a lot of there's a lot of my back catalog that is on the internet. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, it's just a I don't know, it's just a matter of knowing yeah. who did what. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit hard these days. Well, I I definitely uh, encourage people to go back and check out uh, the heaps good film clip. Very well worth the watch. Um, well, that's about it. Mate, uh, thanks very much for taking it easy with me today. Oh, thanks for having me. No worries. Cheers. Hey, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed that one. As Lee said, if you'd like to get in touch, head to his website, platoniclab.com. He's also on social media at Platonic Lab, which is Instagram and whatnot. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends. Uh, get them to subscribe on iTunes if they have iTunes at Taking It Easy with Daniel Connell. Uh, there's 19 other episodes they can catch up on. Also, when you're on iTunes, if you wouldn't mind leaving a comment and a rating, that would be much appreciated. Uh, if you don't have iTunes, you can head to my website, danielconnell.com.au. There's a podcast section there. We can catch up on all episodes every week. Uh, also, while you're on there, check out my gigs page for upcoming shows, um, uh, gigs around the place. Also, if you're ever on Facebook, jump on there. I've got a, a Facebook page, Daniel Connell Comedy. Give that a like to follow what's going on in that world. Um, That's about it. Thanks very much for listening and take it easy. See you next time.